today I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for your word. Because it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And Father, we believe your word can change our circumstances. We believe your word can change our hearts. We believe your word can change our lives. And so as I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit stepping up so that he can minister your word to your people. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that our ears are open and our hearts are receptive and we will leave this place changed and transformed into your image. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week we talked about arise and build. Everybody say arise and build. And our focus on, on our lesson was on sharing with you some divine promises that are available to us when we put God's kingdom first in our lives. In other words, when there is a commitment in the heart with a follow-up of actions from our hands, then we are assured by God that our lives will be a prosperous one. Just like faith without works is dead, commitment without actions is dead. At the end of the message last week, I gave an invitation for everyone to commit or recommit to our building program. And uh, the good news is everybody heard the message. The bad news is everybody didn't get it. So just look at your neighbor and say, did you get it? Now look at them again and say, don't be asking me nothing in church. So through much prayer and meditation this week, my lesson is entitled, and I believe this is going to change your life, is reprioritize your priorities. Reprioritize your priorities. And the goal of today's message is to help you understand through God's word that in order to experience the more than abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give us, we must make what's important to God important to us. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 6, verses 33, Matthew 6, 33. And then we're going to turn to a new book. It's called Haggai chapter 1. That was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and Haggai chapter 1. And uh, sometimes as a pastor, you have to say the same thing a different way. And that's what I'm doing today because the promise that Jesus made us in Matthew 6:33, and that promise was he says if we will seek first the kingdom of God, God will add all that we need to us. Man, that promise is too powerful for us to not fully understand and inactivate it. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version. So if you have one, you can. If not, you can follow me on the screen. This is in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 25 again. This is what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is it not life more than important food, uh, more than uh, food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field, they grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was clothed or dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, read it with me. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In essence, what Jesus was saying is there will be no need in our lives when God's kingdom is first. Now, I want you to let that sink in because most of us spend most of our time trying to figure out how we're going to make it. How are we going to pay the school bill here? How are we going to pay for the insurance here? How are we going to pay for this house? No, here. We're, most of us, we're in that how am I going to make it mode. And I'm here to tell you, based on what we just read, God said if we will make his kingdom first, we won't have to worry about that. So my question is, why do we still worry about something that God has already given us a solution for? Well, I figured out why, and I'll tell you uh, as we go through the through the lesson. Now... God said he would supply every need. Say every need. He will supply every need, which means that that eliminates me from worrying. So today I want to talk about reprioritizing your priorities because the reason you are worrying about your life today is because your priorities must not be straight. So now if you want to take notes, write down uh, the definition of priority. I looked this up in the dictionary. I thought it was powerful. This is what it means. The highest in importance, the right to precede others in rank. The right to precede others in rank. Here's what it also means. It means it uh, precede others in rank, in position. Watch this now. Especially during a shortage. I thought that was interesting. It's saying priority means to outrank or precede anybody else, especially in a shortage. And that's what we do the backwards. When things are tight, guess who gets kicked off the list first? God. When when the definition of priority means to precede others in rank or in position, especially during a, a shortage. Now, verse 33 actually says that if we seek God and his righteousness first, then everything will be added. This is totally different from the perspective most of us grew up in. Amen. In fact, that's why, on average, seven out of ten Christians have not learned how to trust God with their money because we have been prone and trained to be first. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Today, I believe this simple, powerful principle will change your life if you let it. See, I had to learn this principle when I first started Word of Truth Family Church because when I started our church, I started with three full-time people and God told me not to work. Well, I had a problem with that because, you know, our church wasn't as big as it is right now. As a matter of fact, we started with 22 people. So God tells me not to work. 
he tells me to do this full time. And uh, when I started calculating all the bills that it was going to take to do that, it was $6,000 a week. I had never had $6,000 worth of bills in my life. And now God is going to put that on me. So I had to learn how to trust God at the next level. Everybody say at the next level. Amen. Amen. Now, now turn your Bibles to, to Haggai chapter 1. Haggai 1. Because the promise that Jesus made over in Matthew 6.33, that promise or the process of that promise shows up in Haggai chapter 1. And I never read this before. In other words, Jesus said, if you will seek first the kingdom, you won't have to worry about food. You won't have to worry about clothing. You won't have to worry about where you're going to stay. Listen to what he says in Haggai chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1. It said, the second year of King Darius in the sixth month on the first day of the month. But they were very very specific about when this was, right? Well, I'm going to skip to verse 2. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people. Everybody say, this people. Now, this is God talking. He says, this people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. In other words, God was wanting these people to build him a church or build him a building or build him a temple. And for some reason, the people decided that's not something we want to do right now. And so he says here, the people say, hey, is it time for the Lord's house to be built? Verse three, verse three. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now, therefore... When did he say? Now. Now. Everybody say now. Now, Now, therefore, not tomorrow. Now, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Watch this now. Now, I'm about to read to you the repercussions of neglecting God's house. Watch what he says here. You have sown much, but you brought in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. In other words, you go to Popeye's, you get a 10 piece and it's not enough. Don't you hate that? Have you ever been in a rhythm of eating like some wings and you, and you reach down and ain't no more? That happened to me this week. I had some lemon pepper from, yeah, see y'all. Shanda. You feel that wing stop spirit run through here? You feel it? Got some people waving in the back. And I looked up and those wings was gone. I, I started counting the bones to make sure they gave me the right amount. Because <laughs> I was going to go back. You eat wings, but it's not enough. <laughs> you drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes in it. How many know that's not a good situation? First of all, he said, you get these wings and it's not enough. You buy Coke and it's not enough. Coca-Cola, okay. (laughs) I just want to put that out there. He's saying, you buy all these clothes, it's not enough. Then he says, thus says the Lord. Consider your ways. Notice that's the second time he said that. In other words, he's saying, look, you need to pay attention about what you're doing. Verse verse 8. He says, go up to the mountain and bring some wood and build the what? Build the house that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. 
Watch verse 9. This is interesting. He says, you look for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, the devil blew on it. What did he say? Notice he says, when you brought home your paycheck, he said, because you're neglecting my house, I'm going to make sure you don't have enough in your house. So the Bible says, who blew on it? God blew on it. Oh, my gosh. Why, says the Lord? That's what I'm asking. Why, Lord? (laughs) He said, because my house that is in ruins. While every man, one of every one of you runs to his house, he said, therefore, the heavens above you is withheld from dew and the earth withholds its fruit. Watch verse 11. This this worked me out right here. For I call for a drought on the land and the mountains. This is the Lord talking. He says, I call for a drought on the grain and on the new wine and on the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth. He says, I've called a drought on men and on livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Oh, my God. All of this because he's upset about Project 360? <laughs> now we're going to read their response but if I was back in the day and, and he was reading all that I'd have been getting my little offering together then and I'd been like all of these things was because they had neglected his house everybody say you need to reprioritize your priorities so let's see what the people's response is. It says in verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, don't name your son that, please. <laughs> then were Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant. Now, notice he's including the people now. With all the remnant of the people, what did they do? They obeyed, watch this now, they obeyed the voice of the Lord, but watch who else's voice they obeyed. And the words of who? Hagar the prophet. As the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared of the presence of the Lord. Verse 13. Then Hagar, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Notice now the Lord, he said, now since you've decided to obey me, I'm with you. And you know that lines up with Malachi 3. Because remember he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. Verse 15. Uh... Let's continue to read. He says, I am with you, says the Lord, verse 14. So the Lord, watch this now, this is going to be important. He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, he stirred him up too, and the high priest, and watch this, and he stirred up the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did what? They worked on the house. Did you notice that it wasn't until their spirits were stirred that they began to do some work. Now, I'm going to show you this morning why the average person has a problem trusting God. And when I'm, and you can take this in every area, whether it's trusting God for a mate, whether it's trusting God, you know, for you, with your spouse, whether it's trusting God for kids, whether it's trusting God for a new job. It doesn't matter. I want to show you why the average person doesn't trust God. But before I do that, Let's go over these symptoms. Because see, I, you, if you're taking notes, I call these symptoms of when my house has priority over God's house. 
Everybody say symptoms. See, symptoms are not really the real deal. It's just effects of what I may be going through. And there are some symptoms that you and I have in our lives that we have not really either connected the dots or paid attention to. In other words, there are some symptoms that you're going through right now financially in your life. And these symptoms are because, watch this now, it's because we have not prioritized God's kingdom first. So let's see what some of these symptoms are. In verse 6, one of the symptoms was when I have more money going out than coming in. Because if you read verse 6, if you go back and read verse 6, he said in verse 6 that you you have sown much and you brought in little. In other words, watch this now. That means I got more going out than I have coming in. Amen. That's symptom number one. Here's symptom number two is in verse 6 as well. When you and I struggle to have our basic needs met. See, God did not design us to worry every day about what we're eating and what we're wearing and, and what we're staying in and all that. That, that should not be a, something that we worry about. But if we are worrying about those things, or watch this, if our basic necessities are not being met. In other words, you're struggling. You're going through, you know, hard times. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Maybe that symptom is there because you're neglecting God's house. Here's the third one. When you and I seem to never have enough. Remember when he said, you know, we earn wages and we put it in a bag with holes in it. In other words, it doesn't really matter how much money you make. If you have a hole in your pocket, it, listen, you have to sew the hole up first. Amen. And I'm telling you, and I want this to sink down deep in your heart because, see, this will change your life. I'm trying to tell you, it is very simple to get your life in, uh, listen. Under God's authority. It's easy to do. It's basically a decision. But let me show you something. One of the effects of not God not being first is having a hole in my pocket. Now, I don't know about you, but, but there are too many hours in a week that I have to work for me to have a hole in my pocket. How many just like going to work because you just like going to work? Let me see your hand. Okay, we got a few. Yeah, I like going to work. Because I'm called to do this. See, this ain't a job. It's a call. Amen. See, it don't matter what you make when you call. Because at the end of the day, God's going to take care of you. Amen. And uh, if you do this for a job, then you gonna, then people are going to get on your nerve. No, no. I do this because I'm called to, and I love to see God's people blessed. Amen. Notice here, you won't have enough. Here's the last one. When you and I can't seem to find work or, watch this, what you seem to do as work keeps drying up. See, I'm trying to help somebody right now who's having a hard time finding a job. You qualified in everything. And it's been a long time. You know why? Maybe the kingdom ain't first. Maybe God knows when you get that paycheck, it ain't about him. It's about you. So here's my question. How do you and I change these symptoms? Because all of these symptoms really come from a bigger problem. Here's the, watch this. The bigger problem is not my money, it's my heart. Amen. Watch this. Verse 14, watch this now. This is good. Verse 14 says this. I'm going to reread it. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. He stirred up the spirit of Joshua. He stirred up the spirit of the high priest and he stirred up the spirit of the remnant of all the people. 
And after he did that, they began to work. But prior to all of those verses, the Bible says they obeyed him. So I want you to see something. It wasn't until their spirit was stirred that they began to do the work. So how does a person get their spirit stirred? That's what I want you to know. Because remember uh, 2 Timothy, when uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift of God that, that was given you from the laying on of hands. How does a person stir their spirit up? Because, see, this is the reason why most people don't, don't have God first. Because their spirit's not stirred. Look at your neighbor and say, how do I stir my spirit up? Now, here's the thing. You don't need a new spirit because you got that when you got saved. See, the, the, the spirit of Christ is in you, wants to give. The spirit of Christ in you wants to wants the kingdom first. The spirit of Christ in you wants to obey God. So it's not that I need a new spirit. My spirit needs stirring up. And when you look at word stir, it means to rekindle. Now, in Zechariah chapter 4, you don't have to write it down. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 14. I'm going to read this verse because it also has this word stirred in it used in a different way. It says, and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. The word wakened is the word stir. In other words, I'm saying stir means to wake up. Now, here's the deception. The deception is that the stir comes before the works. But that's not true. Stirring doesn't come before the works. Works come before the stir. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Evan? If you go back up and read that, the Bible says they begin to obey and then their spirit got stirred. Watch this now. James 4, 8 says, if you draw close to God, he will draw close to us. In other words, for some reason, we feel that in order for my spirit to get stirred, for me to do what God wants me to do, he needs to stir my spirit first. But I'm telling you, The remedy is not your spirit being stirred up first. The remedy is you starting to do the work first and then he stirs your spirit. You say, I don't get it. Go to Revelations chapter 2. Go to Revelations 2. Go to Revelation. Let me just give you some examples. Before the miracle of the water was made into wine. Remember that story? Jesus, the Bible says that his mom came to him and said, Jesus, they don't have any wine. He said, well, what does that have to do with me? And then she looked at everybody and she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So basically she was saying is, if you want some wine, do what he says. So you know what he instructed them? He says, now I need you to go find some water pots, fill them up with water, and then bring them back to me. Everybody say, that's works first. See, a lot of times we want to see the miracle first. But the miracle does not come before the works. In other words, draw close to God, he will draw close to you. That's what the Bible says. Now, in Revelations 2, it shows us this principle that the works come after the miracle. Remember the blind man and he came to Jesus and he wanted to see. What did Jesus tell him to do? He says, go wash. He put some mud on his eye. He spit. See, some of us, we couldn't even get a miracle from Jesus. Because we're going to be like, uh, did you just spit? Uh, uh, anybody got some, uh, uh, what do you call that stuff? You got some sanitizer, Jesus, because, you know, I know you Savior and all, but that's still spit. We wouldn't even got our miracle. We've been like, girl, did you get me? Did you get your miracle from Jesus? No, girl, he was spitting around and stuff like that. Huh? <laughs> but before the man could get his miracle of sight, he had to go and wash. What I'm saying to you is some of you all are trying to get your life together and you're waiting for God to stir your spirit. And I'm telling you, you got to start the works first and then your spirit gets stirred. 
Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. Revelation, look in chapter 2, look in verse 1. It says, unto the angel of the church in Ephesus, these things say, behold, the seven stars is in the right hand. And I'm not going to read all that, but look in verse 2. He says, I know your works. There it is. I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil and how you have tried them which say they are apostles and they are not. And you found them liars. Verse 3. And you've borne and you've had patience and for my name's sake you've labored and you have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. Watch this. Because you have left your first love. Everybody say that's a heart issue. See, what he was saying to them is, look, I know you've done all this stuff. He says, but in the midst of doing all that, you've lost your first love. Well, let me show you how he told them to get their love back. He says, remember from where you've fallen. Repent. Watch this. And do the what? He's saying, if you will repent and do your first works, then the heart that you've had for me will return. What I'm saying is, when you and I start Putting God first in our lives. Guess what's going to happen? Our hearts are going to change. We want to change heart first. It doesn't want. Listen, that's when, when, when it was time to get saved. You didn't say, well, I want to experience salvation and then I'll confess with my mouth. No, no, no. We had to confess with our mouth first and believe in our heart. And then what happened? Then we got saved. We, most of us, we want to see the, uh, the effects of salvation before we actually get saved. Most of us, we want to see, watch this, the effects of God's kingdom being first. First, we want to see that first before we actually, it doesn't work like that. I know you're trying to get your life together. I know you're trying to get your money together. I know you're trying to get your marriage together. But before you get all those things together, why don't you get the kingdom together? See, I'm telling you something that nobody else has control over but you. See, a lot of times when we're having issues and stuff, we can put our finger on somebody. Well, if my, my husband, you know, if he wasn't eating at Burger King all the time, we would have some money. <laughs> and, you know, single people, they find somebody to blame too. Well, if it wasn't for Beelzebub, I'd be married by now. Really? But see, this is an issue that you can straighten out for you right now. Is God first in your life? You say, well, Pastor, what does first mean? You know what I mean. <laughs> now, because I'm talking about the building program, is God first in your money? In most people's lives, no. Let me tell you something. Unless you, unless you get that one straight, it's going to be hard to straighten out the rest. Because, see, I know you don't love money. You say you don't. But I got a series coming up called, it's called uh, The Love of Money. Because most people love money, but they don't know they love it. Do you know you can love something and not have none? <laughs> now, I know a lot of people love money, but they broke as skunk. I mean, they broke, man. They are broke. Just like, you know, come on now. You can love something that you don't have. You know you love that girl and she didn't love you back? Well, you can love something and not, and not have none. And see, a lot of people, their life is not... Can't, look, if you get the second most important thing in your life straight, then I think the rest of your stuff in your life will get straight. Because most of you all will say, well, it's God... Watch this, watch this, watch this. I'm going to show you all. This is, watch this out. How many God first in your life? Raise your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay, good. How many just lied? Raise your hand. <laughs> Notice Jesus said in, in Revelation, 
He says, in order for you to get your love for me right, go back and do what you did when you first met me. In order to get the kingdom of God first in your life, I'm saying to you, you got to make his kingdom first and then he will stir your heart up. Because some of you all have grown cold. This is why you can be involved in stuff. And see, back in the day, had you been involved in it, you would have had a better conviction about it. It was like, ooh, oh, oh, oh no. See, see, that's, this is why now, I'm talking to somebody right now, this is why you can socially drink in front of your friends right now. See, you didn't used to do that. Now, I'm not saying drinking is wrong. But see, at one point, see, your standards is going backwards now. See, you didn't used to socially drink. Now, you know, you got your socially drinking friends. See, you know who your sanctified friends are. You can't drink in front of them. Oh, so you're going uh, to be a double person. Two-faced. See, that's two-faced right there. You're going to drink in front of the drink, social friends, but then in front of the, you know, your sanctified friends can't drink in front of them. Well, why are you drinking? You don't let, see, you, oh, Jesus, I feel that. Y'all feel that? Oh, my God. Somebody brought some cognac to church. Who did that? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Some of you all are slipping. You got to start somewhere. Seek first the kingdom. Watch this. And then all the stuff will be added. Start with your heart. Then start with your hands. Amen. Because God's ready to do some, some exceeding and abundantly. But he's waiting on you now. I see a million dollars. I don't know who's going to get it. Oh, no, you don't know what I'm going to say yet. It's kind of contingent upon your heart. Do you know you will show God what you would do with a million by what you're doing with a hundred? Oh, so don't fool yourself now. That's me prophesied of me. Well, uh, let me see your checkbook. Is God first in your life? I'm being very purposeful in my silence. Because while I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's talking. See, when he's first, quitting in your marriage is not an option. When God is first, Cheating on your spouse is not an option. When God, see what happens if you get away from the fire. See, when you're around believers, it really helps you. It helps you to stay accountable. It helps you to stay faithful. It helps you to act like a Christian. But the further you get away from that fire, then not only the colder you get, but you do stuff you used to didn't do no more. Now just look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me right now. So here's my question. What area of your life 
does God need to be first? Let me just say, start with his building. Start with the temple. Start. You said, I don't know what to do, pastor. Start right there. That's where Haggai started. He says, you know what? Uh, what's being neglected is the temple. Start right there. Because, see, I don't want you all to walk out and go, well, I, what, what, what do you mean about that kingdom first stuff? Did, did you understand that? What do you mean? I, I don't know. Is the kingdom first your life? No, I'm telling you now. How do I start with the kingdom first? Start with his house. And let me tell you how it works. When you start with his house, then it ricochets back to your house. Because the opposite, and we're closing with this, the opposite of that verse in Haggai, I'm going to read the opposite of Haggai for you. I know you don't have it like this. But go back to Haggai, and this is how it would read. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. When this people say, it's time to build the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came and said, you can live in the kind of house you want to live. Now, therefore, says the Lord, you've considered your ways. Now, you've sown much and a lot comes back. You eat and you have more than what you need. You drink and you are filled with drink. You have enough clothes to not only wear for you, but you have enough clothes for others. You earn wages and you put it into a savings account that stacks up. See, that's the opposite. See, that's what happens when that temple's first. So you know who's really trying to keep you from keeping the kingdom first? The enemy. With every head bow right there. Every head bow. God is waiting for you to put him first. This is an interesting altar call because... There are several people in the room that have backslid. But see, the the backslid I'm talking about is not the backslid where you walked away from the Lord. The backslid I'm talking about is you've allowed your standards to slide back. See, there are things you used to do that you're doing now that you you didn't used to do. There's language you're using now that, that you didn't used to use that language. There are places that you are going now that you would not have gone years ago. Your standard has slid back and God is saying, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to raise your heart. Because there are some people in this room, God is wanting you to return your heart to him. Because he's got some things in store for you that you can't see. He's got some amazing things in store. Oh, you might be living a good life now, but there's a better life ahead. Can you imagine if your life is where it is now? Let's say your life is good. I can't imagine what your life would be better if God was first in the areas he's prompting you to. So with every head bowed, I want to pray for everyone in the room who knows that God needs to be first in whatever area of their life. Hallelujah. If you know, you said, Pastor Evan, I, I, I need to keep, put the kingdom back first. It haven't been first. I've been struggling with it. But today I'm, I'm, I'm making a decision. I'm starting with my heart. And I'm going to start with my hands. 
And I'm going to trust God to stir me up on the inside to live the life that I know I am supposed to. If you're here today, and I'm not going to ask you to, to do anything other than just raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you hear here and say, Pastor Evan, I need to put the kingdom first, and I know I need to, just raise your hand right there to see. Right there to see. Hands are going up all over the room. Father, in Jesus' name, as those hands go up, what their eyes haven't seen and what their ears have not heard, And what has not even entered into their hearts, the things that you have prepared for them. Lord, I just pray as a result of them lifting their hands saying, it's me. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to put God first. Lord, I thank you for releasing those things into their lives. And where the enemy has tried to destroy some of them. I cancel his assignment and I plead the blood of Jesus over them even now. And I declare by the name of Jesus Christ that their lives are changing. Things are turning around. God's working together for good. And that, Father, there's no weapon formed against them shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you died.